Cold Stove Podcast, NRD. We are back. I am live in Austin, Texas. NRD from Parts Unknown. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. How uh, how was your your couple days off there? Batman let you out of the cage for a little bit, right? Nice couple of days. It's good to be back with family. Um, it's good to just have a little bit of a break. I enjoy, as much as we love this game, I do enjoy like having the holidays off. You know, no games on Thanksgiving, no games on Christmas, and the day before and the day after. Just a nice little reset button um, when you're watching all this hockey and when Gary doesn't let you out too often. Yeah, you got to hit the reset button, be around some family, talk a little politics around the table, right? Like that's, that's what I Yeah, the, it, normal family things. Just, you know, politics and who you voted for and whatnot because I'm so tired of hearing Gary Bettman talk. So. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, all he does is talk about Arizona. It's sickening, really. I'm, <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm done with it. Oh, we'll have plenty to talk about Arizona. That that's, uh, saga seems to be progressing here and might come to not maybe not come to an end right but it'll be put up to a, a vote relatively soon to the arizona public i guess or tempe public it's kind of what it sounds like we'll talk about that later anyway what i do want to talk about nrd before we get really into it is our friends over at DraftKings. you know the weather's cooler days are shorter holiday season happy december nrd uh, that means and that means spending time with friends and family, like we mentioned. And thanks to the DraftKings Sportsbook, today's podcast sponsor, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You've got plenty to keep you and your company entertained. So here's the deal. New customers who sign up for DraftKings using our promo code WASHED, and they bet at least $5 on any pregame Moneyline football wager, will get an additional $1. $150 in free bets if their team wins. Okay? Let me repeat it for you. New customers who bet at least $5 on any pregame money line bet will get $150 in free bets if that bet wins. Plus, same game parlays, so you can combine multiple bets from the same game to give yourself a shot at even bigger winnings. Uh, did you hit anything on, on Thanksgiving Day on our D on the, on the betting front? I didn't hit anything on Thanksgiving Day. I did hit. Uh, I hit a big one. Um, I hit a big one on uh, on Sunday. Well done, well done. You know, shout out to the NFL MVP Mike White. Oh, jeez, the the Jets are a new team with yeah, Mike, Mike White, White under center. How about them? Mike White is my personal NFL MVP. Um, I basically took all of his. I took the all to overs on every stat line he had. Um, ended up throwing for three touchdowns and three hundred yards plus. So. There you, Good handsome payday. There you thanks go. to uh, Mike F and White. And our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, obviously. And of course, yes, it was done on DraftKings. So shout out to them too. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And, and uh, again, new customers use promo code WASHED and receive $150 in free bets if their bet hits after placing a $5 pregame football wager. That's promo code WASHED only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Please see show notes for details and disclaimers. Where do you want to start, NRD? Fun couple weeks in the hockey world. We're sort of in the swing of things now. Not a ton on the rumors and, and accusations and all of that front, the speculation front yet. We're probably a month or two away from that really, really getting going. But it's still fun hockey, and teams are still jockeying for position. I think we have a couple teams that obviously are very good. They're very talented. The Bruins keep pulling away. Uh, the Stars are, are a great team. Vegas has proven that they have bounced back after being in cap hell and a healthy Jack Eichel is a healthy Jack Eichel. And there's teams that are kind of finding their footing still. Maybe the, I don't know, the Rangers perhaps. Um, maybe out west you have the, the Flames. The Blues are kind of still, what are they? So NRD, where do you want to start? And um, if, if it's Arizona, we can certainly talk about them. I don't know if we'll start in Arizona. I think a lot of people are tuning into this podcast to hear about what's going on in Philly, what I tweeted about the other day. Ah, um, yes, the Philadelphia Flyers and their uh, everescent GM, Chuck Fletcher, right? Well, maybe future former GM, Chuck Fletcher. Interesting. Tell uh, me what you know. Sooner than later. So basically, you know, and, and it's not... It's not not what's been thought about and discussed over the past couple of months or whatnot. The running theory and what I've heard right now is that the Flyers are sooner than later going to make that move and name Danny Breer the next general manager of the club. 
I don't believe that'll end up with Chuck Fletcher being fired. Chuck Fletcher is also the president of the Flyers organization. He will forego the general manager role, turn that over to Danny Briere, and Fletcher will take a much more um, reserved, less hands-on, less day-to-day position as the president of the organization. Now, a couple of different things I've heard as to why he's going to become the president and not be fired. One of them, you know, which may be true, maybe not true, is that Comcast might not be able to buy out. They might not be able to afford to buy out his contract right now, Chuck Fletcher, and he is already the president. So they do value him. And the one thing that I've made clear, you know, on this podcast many times is Chuck Fletcher is not a bad human. He's actually a very, very nice guy, very good guy. He's just not very good at his job. Mm -hmm. So to have him still around, he'll become the president of the organization, which he already is, but take a more passive role in that and turn the day-to-day ops and decision-making over to Danny Briere is something that's looming and that's coming for the Flyers. I don't have an exact timeline. I Originally, I had heard after New Year's, after the holiday season, that could be sooner. That's more of like the writings on the wall. I think it's known throughout that building what's going to happen. It's just a matter of when those pieces go into place and who moves where at what time. So that's kind of the scoop on Philly right now. Chuck Fletcher had a really interesting press conference today when we recorded this basically mentioned that they're they're a wild card team which no they're not um and <laughs> be, you know I, I don't know like blunt. like i said i, I think that you know I, I had mentioned this to someone earlier today right the flyers got worse in the offseason they didn't get any better they're the same team that was really bad last year i think the only difference that you've seen so far to philly is that like Elaine Vigneault and mike yo the two guys who coached that team last year av obviously in the beginning of the season and then mike yo in the interim they're like, they're, they're passive, kind of pushovery guys. They're, they're not torts. So the Flyers are not getting away with the same lazy crap and habits that they got away with last year. And that's good enough for an extra 10 to 12 wins. And that's what we're seeing right now with the Flyers. They're the same roster that was constructed last year. They just, you know, they got a little fire lit underneath their asses when they lollygag and practice and whatnot. But no, they're not a wild card team. Chuck knows what's about to happen. I think everybody in the organization does. I do, um, and other listeners of this pod do as well. So we'll see when that goes down. I just like I said, I'm trying to nail down that timeline of when things happen, whether that's after the New Year's holiday or before. So, in that case, like let let me uh, let's talk logistically through this. It's not they're they're not there's no blame on torts here, right? It's it's sort of like all right, this roster has been tried three different times in the last couple of years with three different coaches. This is not a torts thing. So he is safe. Uh, I would assume in this, in this instance from, from being fired. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think torts came in. First of all, torts was not a, the number one choice of Chuck Fletcher anyway. Ah, so torts comes in and he's safe in his position right now as the head coach of this club. I think what's going to happen is that you're going to see a situation that gets assessed after the season, does Torts still want to be a part of this rebuild? I mean, it would be another coach bought out by the Flyers. We just talked about Chuck Fletcher's contract. I don't see that happening. I think Torts is in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. I think he know, knew what he signed up for. Um, and, you know, if things turn for the worse and less of the mediocre right now, then Torts could be coaching Connor Bedard next year. So I think there's reason for him to hang around. So, okay. So then on that front, so Torts is kind of solved there for the time being. When you bring in, say, uh, say Briere, right? So now he has the power to make moves that I'm sure he's wanted to make or has, has tried to provide his input to Fletcher and for one reason or another has been has been denied at this point. So so logistically from the side of the things where, where Torts is safe, if you're going to make a, a GM move to Briere in the middle of the season, presumably, are you looking, I mean, are you looking for immediate improvement? Are you looking... For the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, like I just, I guess from like a from a fan or ownership perspective, is if we're removing one guy, what is the goal of the next guy? Given where the team is at, you know, what I'm, you know where I'm coming from in that sense. Uh, sense of no, the- I do, I do, and and it's it, it's a fair shout because Danny Briere is a part of this front office right now, right. so it's not. I think there's a, I think you're going to see a little bit of a philosophy shift. Um, I don't think Danny Briere is going to go out there and hand out contracts to Nick Delorier and Tony D'Angelo on this club. I think that's one of the things you'll start to see, right? Is like mm-hmm. Chuck Fletcher added pieces to this club. Like those third line, fourth line depth pieces, something you'd see out of a contender. Right. 
I think there's going to be a philosophy shift to how do we holistically build this? Look at the Devils, look at the New York Rangers who are, you know, faltering in their own ways right now, but built things the right way since they went into that rebuild. How do we get it right in terms of roster construction? Because like you said, this is like the third head coach with this current iteration of the Philadelphia Flyers. It's not coaching. It's the way the roster is constructed right now. How do we get this right? And I think just having, even though Danny Breer is a part of this front office, I think just having somebody that isn't Chuck Fletcher calling the shots and making those day-to-day decisions helps whether they agree or disagree. And like I said, Chuck's a good guy, just not great at his job. I'm sure he's had some good ideas and some bad ones, as we know. I just think having a different figurehead there to make those day-to-day decisions to go into the deadline in March and have that free reign over the roster is helpful in whatever direction or whatever changes may happen. I just think having that fresh idea, that different voice in the room that's leading those meetings matters. I do. That, yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you on that for sure. It, I'll give Chuck Fletcher a little bit of, uh, of rope here. A lot of injury situations have happened with him mm-hmm. and the Ryan Ellis trade. You got to feel for Ryan Ellis in that situation. You got to feel for pretty much everybody involved. You know, Carter Hart has a down year after a superstar year. There's just a lot of stuff that sort of feels out of his control at the time that unfortunately is now all um, now all kinds of piles up and you only have one scapegoat and that becomes Chuck Fletcher. Uh, they just waved Kiefer Bellows today as well. I th- I wish, like, I hope, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I liked him coming out uh, yeah. when, he, when he entered the league. And it kind of seems like he's bounced around a little bit. But I guess we'll see on the Flyers front. We will. Anything I else think, on that before we move on? No, I think, uh, you know, it's coming. I think you're going to start to see guys like Ivan Provorov's name be mentioned once Danny Briere takes over. I know the LA Kings are looking for a defenseman, and I wonder if they don't make the Jacob Chagrin thing happen. If Ivan Provorov's one of those guys that they can bring in uh, to set that team up for a playoff run. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Let's stay in that division because we have to talk about them every week, of course, and that is the New York Rangers NRD. Still kind of just not looking like the Rangers of last year. Anything uh, specific in regards to Gerard Gallant? Is he safe? Is there something in New York brewing? What do you know in the Big Apple NRD? I can't see a change with them happening in season, but you know, there's been a lot of discourse on my Twitter account over the past couple <laughs> of weeks about Gerard Gallant. Um, uh-huh. This is Gerard Gallant hockey. It, it's been the same, same story, same old song and dance everywhere he's went. It's, you know, it happened in Columbus. It happened in Florida, Vegas, and it's happening here again in New York. I think he's a great players coach. He comes in, he allows the vets to lead. He's very hands-off, very laissez-faire. You know, lets the guys in the locker room kind of police themselves. If that doesn't work, which it hasn't for him in his coaching career yet, by the time year two, year three rolls around, there's no X's and O's. He's not an X's and O's guy. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that sits at the whiteboard and draws up anything. He doesn't have a scheme. There's not a there's not a Gerard Gallant style of hockey. Gerard Gallant is more of a great presence and leader of kind of, you know, the veterans in that team and it does the right things and calls the right shots, but he's not he's not strategically what a team needs to succeed. You need to have that structure in place. Like we don't have, you know, not to sound like an old head, but like we don't have the the, the Broad Street Bullies or like teams like that that are known for a certain style hockey event anymore. Maybe the Penguins, maybe the Caps, but like you'd need Gallant to coach a team like that that has an identity already, has a style already. They play a certain way. Gallant comes in, lets the veterans be their veterans, and then they make a cup run. On a young team like the New York Rangers where they're still lacking defensive structure, he's not the right head coach for them. I don't see anything happening during the season, but Drury, Drury knows, you know, his ass is in the jackpot with this with this club and this roster. The weight's built. James Dolan wants to sell playoff tickets for both the Knicks and the Rangers this year. I can't see um, this struggle lasting too much longer if it continues into the end of the season. And, you know, you, you got to think that's sort of an indictment, even if it, Gallant in that situation has to be you know, he's the player's coach. He kind of sets the the hotel rules and the locker room rules and the steakhouse dinners and bar tabs and whatnot. But you need some sort of wizard on the on the whiteboard. At some point, you need some 
you know, offensive coaches or defensive coaches, who's ever running the doors, so to speak, to be the the tacticians, right? And it doesn't feel like they have that presence or at least the right people in there at this moment. When they don't get no, Vesna-level goaltending, you, you see what the team really is. They don't, and, and the guys who are supposed to contribute for this team are struggling as well. You know, Zabanajad is cooled off. Kreider's not producing. Shesterkin, you know, self-proclaimed play like shit, you know, the other night against New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting con- contributions from the guys who you'd expect. It just, to me, seems like they're lacking that structure that I mentioned, right? Like, you need a guy to come in and say, okay, let's get back to the basics, back to the fundamentals. This is how we're going to get out of our own zone. This is how we're going to enter the offensive zone. And sometimes you need that, even if you have a team that relies heavy on the veterans. And I just think the Rangers don't have that right now. And I don't think that change is coming in the season because it's a big change for a team that is still not bad, right? They're right in the thick of things just because of how mediocre that middle ground in the Metro has been. Um, This is more so like down the line, don't say we didn't warn you type of thing, setting the stage, planting those seeds now to say if the Rangers go in a different direction after the season, I would not be surprised for these reasons and for the fact that, like I said, I don't think, you know, it was miraculous in itself that James Dolan agreed to a rebuild on the New York Rangers organization. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they still don't have those results yet, I don't. I think the patience has already ran out and is worn thin. What was his exact quote? Like, there will be pain or something like this? Something like yeah. that. There will be, yeah. Would you buy or sell uh, stock in Alexi Lafreniere right now? I would still buy stock in Alexi Lafreniere, and we talked about this, and I use this analogy, which I got a couple of compliments on, so let me pat myself on the back oh, right now. We, course, talked about, we talked about barbecue um, when we were comparing Nico Hiche, mm-hmm. talking about like sometimes you can grill a burger, and it's done in five minutes, and it's a damn good burger, but brisket takes some time. It's got to smoke it for a couple hours, maybe overnight. I think Lafreniere is still in that camp of like the Nico Hiche don't be surprised if he still turns out to be a gamer because he's got all the IQ and the intangibles that you need to be a successful player in this league. I think, once again, systematically, he's kind of just running around out there and he's playing on the third line right now in this club. So I think the production doesn't match what he is able to do. And we talk about potential a lot, but I still see it in a kid like him. You don't go first overall for no reason. Lastly, on the Rangers before we move on, they've talked uh, ad nauseum about perhaps adding a piece that piece potentially coming in the form of Patrick Kane in Chicago. Anything, one, on the Rangers' connection to him, and two, on Kane and Taves sort of in general uh, and, and their plans in Chicago? Yeah, I don't think we're there yet on uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. I still think that comes you know, closer to the deadline. They're not, they're not going to be in it, um, Chicago, meaning they're not going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot. But I think they're going to wait a little bit before they make that decision or at least have that conversation with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. As for the Rangers, you know, they're going to have the space. They traded Ryan Reeves. They freed up some more money ahead of the deadline. But if this team still looks like the way, if the team looks the way it does now in March, is Patrick Kane the move that gets you over the hump? I mean, you have to go for it if you're Chris Jury, because you know the leash is very, very short from ownership and whatnot. But still, is he the move that you need to make? I still think that, you know, Still think the Rangers are trying to find themselves before they determine that. I think uh, I think so too. I just the Kane to to New York is so somewhat like feels so overdone at this point that mm-hmm. unless they were really one one scorer away, which doesn't yeah. feel that way right this second, and they could go, they could pull a Toronto and rip off eight straight or eight of ten, whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden yeah. everybody's like, okay, let's let's calm down a little bit, and that happens throughout the NHL. Mm-hmm. The Sabers aren't as good as as nine wins in a row and. Is New Jersey, and I mean, fuck, maybe New Jersey is that good, but um, yeah. we'll see on that front. But I want to talk about our friends over at Shopify real quick, NRD. Shopify is the e-commerce solution start to finish for your new business idea. Cha-ching. That's not only the sound of money, NRD. That's the sound of you uh, potentially unlocking your business idea with our friends over at Shopify. Here's the deal. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, cooperalls, elbow pads, jerseys, sweatshirts, does not matter. It's time to start selling with Shopify. Enjoy the platform, simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. 
With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. Shopify fields all of the sales channels to grow a winning business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, uh, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify and you can too. We're using Shopify over at Wash Media Energy. You go to washmedia.shop, take a look at the store. You like this, you like that. Super easy to build. Uh, I have zero web development experience and I built our entire store. It's very much a, a plug and play situation, if you will. Get some products going, you connect it with whatever vendor you're using. It could be yourself, it could be a third party, it could be, uh, it could be whatever the contents of your garage are. And you can take a picture of them, throw it up there, put a price on it, and you're good to go. Start selling with Shopify. It is the easiest thing in the world. If you have an idea for a commerce brand, Shopify cannot recommend enough. Try out Shopify for free today. Start selling anywhere. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash stove, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash stove to start selling online today. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com slash stove. All right, NRD. Um, let's go out west for a second. Is the, uh, is the Cal Peterson era in L.A.? Very much, very much over at this point. Once promising young goaltender that has not been able to supplant his, uh, I guess, much more senior guy that's been there for a while. What's what's the Cal Peterson situation? Yeah, so he cleared waivers um, today as we recorded this. They called up Copley from the AHL. So Pe- Peterson's going down to Ontario. From what I know, they're going to give him a chance to re- rebuild. This is more of a rehab stint. Mentally, okay. obviously, he didn't suffer any injury. This is more of a rehab stint than anything else. I think the fact that he's making the money he's making helped him not get claimed on waivers. I mean, some people talked about Buffalo being a potential team to pick him up. I think that contract was a little preclusive for a lot of teams. So they had a hunch that he'd get through waivers. They wave him. He's down in Ontario right now with the rain. I think there's a good shot we see him back up with the big club sooner than later if he doesn't, you know, go down to the AHL and pull a Laurent Brossois like in Vegas, like they sent him down for a rehab stint. He didn't play very well. And they're just rolling through with, you know, Logan Thompson, Nathan Hill. So could be a similar situation in LA, but they're going to give Cal Peterson that chance to turn it around. And that's, you know, kind of the feelers that I sent out. That's what I've gotten back so far. He's not done in LA. That experiment isn't over. Interesting. Yeah. On the Buffalo thing there real quick. People people like the idea because you think of Cal Peterson and you think, wow, that's a really good young goalie, and you forget he's actually, you know, not as as young as you think, and also has like a an eight something. His save percentage starts with an eight more often than not. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a tough sell. Um, yeah, Cal Peterson, twenty eight years old. Doesn't that feel weird? Because he's just it kind does. of like a young goalie. That's that's got a lot of potential and played really well for stretches and and then all of a sudden he's 28 and he's like 60th out of 80 something goalies that qualify for a goal saved above expected the last t- couple of years yeah and and that could also be you know it might not be development it could be confidence right it's such a confidence driven position mm-hmm. that maybe going down to the a you know facing some shots that aren't as tough playing in games that he wins you know that could be good for him. You never know. And that's why I think LA is going to give him that shot to do that. Yeah. Hoping for writing hope, him off for good. Yeah. Hoping, uh, hoping the best for him for sure. LA, good, fun, young team. It's nice to see a 19 year old Brant Clark getting some minutes there too. Yeah. We always say one of those teams out there in LA. They're going to be in the thick something, of it. Something's going to, they'll be in the thick of it. Uh, you, you familiar with the uh, Patrick Maroon clip at this point, NRD? Yeah, I am. I think a lot of people are. <laughs> If you if you are living under a rock in the hockey world, uh, famous or I guess infamous, infamous, yeah. uh, Boston Bruins local Nesson reporter Jack Edwards, who uh, I'd call him polarizing to say the least, with or without Easily. Patrick Maroon, uh, called uh, Pat Maroon Fat Pat 
as he uh, he's a larger fella and uh, on on air right like this is very much in the game yeah and uh, hockey twitter lights up and jack edwards is an asshole and you know he is but patrick maroon give him all the credit in the world decides to clap back at jack by saying uh i'm gonna donate however much money to an organization that helps people who deal with fat shaming and bullying and cyber bullying etc so just absolutely comes out and takes the high road and i'm sure jack in edwards, the name of jack edwards in the name the of jack edwards fan freaking tastic nrd your thoughts on what happened with jack and pat patty's such a good guy um mm-hmm. and i think some mutual friends of the show there so of course i'm gonna say that he did the right thing shout out to him for taking just a stupid comment from jack edwards and like you talk about him being polarizing i know you know fans of boston love him every team has their announcer that like everybody else thinks sucks but that's your guy so you're going to support him jack edwards has had this pension over the years for just staying saying stupid shit um and that has nothing to do with him being a homer or anything like that because if you're calling games for nesson you should be a homer right like you should yeah. you know root for the team and you know spin things a certain way for the bruins but to go out there and attack another player, just say stupid shit like he has in the past, not great. So shout out to Pat Maroon for not, you know, getting into a war of the words there between him and Jack Edwards, taking the high road, like you said, and uh, putting that money to good use and doing it in Jack Edwards' name, which is just the icing and the cherry on top of the cake that already was doing the good deed that he did. Yeah, love that out of Pat. Uh, good good guy, great family too. I know we... Uh... Everybody, everybody kind of knows the Maroon family a little bit if you're within yep. the hockey sphere. Um, the team that he plays for, the Lightning, continue to just kind of they're they're always going to be there. Kucherov currently sits in, I believe, fourth. Yeah, fourth in the league in points with 35 through 22 games, just ahead of ageless wonder Eric Carlson, who somehow is fifth in points in the league. What a, tied with David Pasternak. What a year. Weird year. What a weird year, of course, behind the lights of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Jason Robertson. Who is the new face of the NHL. How about this kid, man? They signed, they extend Rupe. Rupe gets eight years, eight something million dollars. The the future is bright in Dallas. And and, uh, I have to commend my coworker, friend of the show, and Dallas native Dave Ruff, uh, Washed Media co founder. Calling it or dubbing it the uh, Jamie the Renaissance NRD. How about that? The Renaissance. Yeah. Um, good thing about calling it the Renaissance is it'll never go down. So it's only up from here. <laughs> um, no, Jason Robertson is the next face of the NHL. He's unbelievable. He's young. What is he? Twenty three years old. He's not even. Is he making the Puku Bucks yet? Right? Like, didn't they have trouble signing him? I should know this as the as the before the nerd on before this show. I yeah before I talk out of my ass. Let me let me tell you for sure. Jason Robertson is twenty three years old, currently yep. making seven point seven five through the summer of twenty twenty six, where he will then be an RFA. And, and that was the then be and a, that was the holdup was that RFA versus did they want to burn a UFA year. And seven's a lot, but it'll be a 10 million plus player if he keeps this up. He's unbelievable. Um, and the the weird kind of thing is that because he plays in Dallas, and this is not a slight against the Dallas Stars, it's just not the biggest market in the NHL. I think it flies under the radar just how good this kid is. So I think that's see what, what I think that's how they like it too. I think they like it that way too. You know, but. He's he's such a good player. He plays the game so fast. He might be one of the fastest in-game speed players in the league. He's up there with Connor in terms of, you know, maybe he won't beat you in a 40-yard 40, 40 dash, but the way he plays the game is so fast. He can score at a ridiculous clip, and the results that he's having this year, so, so exciting to watch. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, you have that team. Robertson, you have Rupe, who's 26. Uh, Dennis Gurionov, he'll be an RFA after the season. And then you got like Miro and Essel and Dell, both 20 something. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of a young core on that team that you don't even think about Sagan, Pavelski, and Jamie Bent. Yeah. And yep. Jake Ottinger's uh, 23, making 4 million bucks a year. Like, And then he's a restricted free agent, so they'll have some, you know, one, at least one year where they can kind of average out the contracts. So it's 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 a team set up. 
in a really good spot, I'd argue. And people might have been a little nervous on, on Robertson, but he was a smaller kid, right? He took some time to grow into himself. And that's that, you know, why, why do we see so many times that 22 to 24-ish jump? Happened to Tage Thompson, right? Happened to Robertson. Happened to Mitch Marner. Like there's something where your body at 22 and you've been in the league for a couple of years, everybody's kind of like, what's going on? What's your deal? We're seeing it with Rasmus Dahlin. I hate to go Sabres. I'm sorry, everybody I know. I talked about the Sabres, but that it is yeah, kind of no, that, right. that certain little window right there. Because guys can come into the league at 18 and 19 and Connor and, you know, be all world. But Nico, he's like that. There's something about that 22, 23, 24 stage where you can go absolutely nuclear. Which, you know, we talk about Lafreniere. That's kind of why I'm still buying stock in him because you look at other kids Mm -hmm. around the league doing something very similar and Lafreniere is not too far behind them. But J-Rob, like you said, is a perfect example of that where he hits his stride, he gets a little bit older, a little bit more mature, plays in this league, develops what it takes to be a pro both on the ice and off the ice. And I think it helps these kids. But man, he is something special. Like I said, I think he's up there for the new face of the league, at least, you know, amongst the U.S. teams, right? Because like the two best players in the league, mm-hmm. three play in Canada between McDavid, Leon and Austin Matthews. But in terms of American franchises, uh, I think there's no doubt that J-Rob should be one the face of them um, as, a, as yeah. an American born player, too. Right. So well, you, you look at you look at that like if you're. You're looking at American studs and thinking about the what is it the 2025 now World Cup of Hockey? Why why you can't figure out a, a World Cup hockey tournament in a year or two makes no sense to me. I don't understand that. Yeah, if it can't be February 2023, why can't it be February 2024? Because international hockey players, is going to piss me off. Talking yes about and it, no. Part of that is to you know if they're going to do this in the middle of the season and players risk and I say that with air quotes themselves to potential injury they want to get paid first the cap goes up cap will be nice and secure in 2025 they'll have their yeah. cash and then they can go play in their international tournament that makes sense i just really i, I really love the idea like you kind of see it in the world cup of, of soccer right now some of the some of the biggest players in the world were either uh, a little banged up coming in or couldn't play coming in because of their club team injuries and that's why they do the, the big july extravaganza every four years but it's also soccer kind of has that weird season where they they play september to may in europe and they're very they're not yeah. like the mls that plays march to october right like it's kind of a weird you think they would just play in the summer in europe it's very different if you're, if you're playing in the the wine country of italy every 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 day kind of feels the same so who knows anyway that's that's a an unnecessary tangent on international hockey that I'd love them to play in Lake Placid and just call it a day, bring everybody yeah. in and do it that way. But that won't happen. Maybe a game or two, but that will not happen that way. Anyway, NRD, sorry for doing that. I was going to – the one thing that I was trying to do with that sort of uh, aside was look at who are the the American hockey studs that play in America right now. Like you mentioned Austin Matthews. You know, is it is it going to be – like Jack Eichel, Jason Robertson, Tage the Kachuk boys, and Tage. Like that's right now. That's American hockey in America, kind of leading the charge. And obviously yeah. in Canada, you're, you're you can't go wrong with Connor McDavid and the ageless wonder Sidney Crosby, who I've seen get some like heart talk at this point. Yeah. Do you but you buy that, or is that kind no. of just the yeah? That's that's. Sort I of think like that's the, like that's like the the gif of. Derek Jeter's nephew tipping the respect cap. Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, like that's that's the respect nod to Sidney Crosby. He's not going to win the Hart Trophy this year, but you still have to respect what he's able to do year in and year out. Um, of course. I mean, he's we've seven, talked about seven points just, right now too. He like, keeps he's not. He keeps getting better. He just yeah. keeps getting better. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, there's a lot like comparing Ovi to Wayne or Connor to Wayne, and you know, if Connor Bedard is the next Wayne Gretzky. I don't think we'll ever see a guy in terms of the complete package ever again come as close to Wayne as Sidney Crosby, just with the IQ and the knowledge of the game and what he's been able to do. And he just continues to get better, right? Like he has not aged himself out of this league. He's developed ways to get smarter the slower he gets and whatnot. Crosby's exciting. And, and like you said, I, the heart thing I'm not buying. I think it's more of just a cap tip and a respect um, to, to one of the greatest to ever do it. 
Couldn't agree more. Well, I, I got to see Sidney Crosby play this year at some point. I'm, I'm going to make a, a point when he's having this kind of like ageless wonder year, and Ovechkin mm. too, for that matter. My buddy lives in in DC. Um, steps from, I mean, I say Capital One Arena. I don't even know what it is now, but um, MCI. MC, yeah, goodness. The MCI Center. Good lord. We need. I'm just. I just. I, my knowledge stops in like 2011. Of yeah. that, whatever the rank was in 2011, that's that's what it is to me. Shouts. I think to we the, just uh, bring back all the old names, just for for a night. Those sponsors yeah. all pay like one night of bringing it back. It's on uh, Reverse Retro Night. Yeah, the Reverse Retro Night. You play at the MCI Center, the Marine Midland. Yes, exactly. The Nassau oh. Veterans Memorial Coliseum. I love that idea. I love. We're gonna fix the NHL NRD by the time this podcast has run its course, decades from now. We're, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have the NHLs here, that's for sure. I yes. got three teams for you, NRD, that kind of are in the – stuck in the mud, I think is the mm-hmm. best phrase for it. And I want you to give me the optimistic case and the pessimistic case for each one of them. Are you ready? I am. First up, the Nashville Predators. They can't score, NRD. No, they can't, and that – there's nothing I can do to argue that fact. The optimistic <laughs> take would be that they have ice to play on now because it was looking like last week they might not have a home for a oh, little while. Oh, I know. While. That was sad for a little bit. It was right? sad. Yeah, it was. And I don't mean to make a joke about it, but that is the good news in, in Nashville. They're getting their groove back. They were kind of forced out. They had a water main leak um, inside the Bridgestone Arena. They had to redo all the ice. The lower bowl, I think, is not ready uh-huh. up to standards yet where it should be. Um, no, the optimistic take is they have UC Soros. They're not scoring, but they're able to hold teams to you know two or three goals on any given night. All it takes is one little spark from Matt Duchesne or Philip Forsberg or another guy in that locker room to How get about, going. How uh, about where's Roman Yosi this year? Silent. Yeah. Where's Tanner Janot? Yep. Kind of silent. So all it takes is that spark to get them going. I think they'll be on track. The pessimistic side... I think you kind of answered that. You made my job a little bit easier. One shot in here is that they can't score. No, and they don't have a guy. Like if if you're relying on Robin Yossi to be a hundred point player, something's right. offensively like that's something's wrong. Right, he's a defenseman, wrong. and and he's not Cal McCarr. Like there's only so many guys that you can rely on to be the driver of your offense from the blue line. I don't think Roman Yossi's one of them. I think he had a great year last year, but besides that, he's not a perennial guy. Yeah, the pessimistic take with the Nashville Predators is they can't score goals. Um, they brought back Philip Forsberg. They didn't, they didn't let him go in free agency because they anointed him the goal scorer on this club. And if he doesn't get going anytime soon, I think you overreaction, what is this, Thursday? Overreaction Thursday, you sit here and say, well, you paid him a lot of money. Do we regret that if he's not going to generate the offense that he was last year? Mm-hmm. Next on the list, NRD, optimistic and pessimistic case. Kind of a... Uh, New twist on an old favorite of the Cold Stove podcast. Say something nice, say something, say something mean. mean. Uh, next up, we have the Calgary Flames NRD. Please give me the pessimistic taste and the optimistic take on the Calgary Flames. This we'll year. go pessimistic first. We'll start with the negative take. They don't have Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Who glaringly were, obvious they don't. Gl- they, they really don't. And they were glaringly obvious. Obviously, their best two players. Uh, so these kind of go hand in hand. The optimistic side of it would be, I think tree living did a fantastic job of trying to replace them the best he could. He brought in Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, still has Elias Lindholm there, still has Jacob Markstrom. So like, I think if you told me, take everything out of it, I don't know who you are. I don't know what team I'm working for. You're going to lose Matthew Kachuk and John and, uh, Johnny Gaudreau do the best you can to replace them. I, I think a valiant effort was done with the guys that he brought in. Yeah, of course. So that's the optimistic side of things. I think they could have been a lot worse. But on the pessimistic side, they're missing their best two players. And it's, you know, obviously it's a team sport because look at Matthew Kachuk down in Florida. They're faltering hard. But it's a t- it, so it is a team sport. But I think he was so good and he elevated that club and what he brought to that locker room and what he brought to the Battle of Alberta and what he brought to that team was so important. And you're kind of seeing that the Flames don't have that edge right now. Can I give you kind of a, I think, under-the-radar reason Go that uh, I, th- I think it's kind of not, not – off the rails is totally the wrong word here, right? I think missing Oliver Shillington a little bit 
on defense. He kind of seems like a heart and soul guy. And um, dealing with some personal family issues and and he's dealing with those away from the team back in Sweden. But does that kind of feel like a guy, he had a huge year last year under the radar. They bring in Matt Weeger to be kind of this new stud. But Oliver Shillington, kind of a heart and soul player for a team that has gone through a, a pretty significant surgery. Not him, but the team roster itself. Does that do, do you, Are you picking up what I'm putting down there? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, let's go lastly on the three team. You, you know, it actually kind of fits in nicely with our friends uh, who we just mentioned at Calgary, and that is the Florida Panthers NRD. Give me the optimistic case and the pessimistic case for our friends in Sunrise. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if there's an optimistic case to make for the Florida Panthers right now. Uh, mm. I guess, you know. I like that take. Not as a cop-out answer, but, I mean, they do have Matthew Kachuk. They do have Alexander Barkov, but they are only so much, right? We just talked about how this is a team sport. They're not bigger than the entire club. And, you know, we, on this very show, we addressed our kind of our takes, our concerns, our thoughts on making that move from Andrew Brunette to Paul Maurice after stepping away from coaching for the last half of last year, it doesn't look like he can, you know, and this is not a slight against him. It just, you don't look at Paul Maurice and, and feel the energy, you know, you know, he doesn't pass the vibe check, if you will, as the young kids no, say today, he seems, so, you know, it doesn't seem and the like team's playing like guy. it. The team's yeah. playing like that. The team, like if you, if you told me to, to draw what, like if you, had to draw the person of what the Florida Panthers look like on the ice right now. I draw you a picture of Paul Maurice, <laughs> just like you know. Like I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, I but get it. I it's, get it. it's just kind of duddy. You know what I mean? Like it's just Andrew Burnett was young. He was kind of like that man rocket new head coach. Like he came in. They had they were moving. They had energy. They had excitement. Paul Maurice is kind of just flat and old and that's nothing against him i'm sure he's a great guy i never met him but that's what the florida panthers look like on the ice right now flat and stale and not exciting you mean the uh second overall pick in 2014 is not leading that team to greatness no sam reinhardt huh maybe former uh kevin adams new hashtag kevin adams new hashtag kevin adams new you know what i know nrd is when i put factor meals in the microwave I'm coming out with something good because, man, are those things perfect for this time of year. I'm on the go all the time doing the media company thing, doing the podcasts on the side. I'm traveling. I'm bouncing back here, bouncing back there. I got, uh, I've got i had weddings and bachelor parties. Factor is just that perfect go-to, that third-line player that you can always count on to be there defensively for it. Maybe put, maybe put in a goal or two at a time. And you're like, whoa, this is really good. Did not expect it. Well, that's mm-hmm. what Factor gives for you with the bustling holiday season just around the corner and kind of happening right now it's the perfect time to plan ahead with factor a ready to eat meal delivery they shop prep cook and deliver to your door so you can enjoy chef crafted dietitian approved meals during the holidays minus the hassle plus with 34 meals per week including gourmet plus keto calorie smart vegan and veggie and 36 weekly add-ons Love plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. Like I said, my holidays are jam-packed. Got a lot of travel coming up, a couple of trips planned, a couple of these. So I'm just going to need on-the-go stuff, and that's where Factor is perfect for me. It's cheaper than dining out, by the way. Put the money you save towards holiday fun and you time, NRD. And thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful, chef-crafted meals. Need a special occasion meal? That's when you go the Gourmet Plus route. That's when you're getting some real good stuff over here from Factor. Gourmet Plus is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easy. So they're also flexible, which is what I like about Factor NRD. Change your order up every week with plans ranging from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause and reschedule deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess. They save me a ton of time on planning and cleanup so I can fully enjoy the holidays without wasting hours in the kitchen also let me let me blow your mind here a little bit nrd the smoothie ingredients that they sent over okay yeah smoothies i mean they're good the smoothies are fantastic they're they require good. a little bit of a little bit of prep but my gosh 
Cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more keep me energized on the go this holiday season. So here's the deal, NRD. Go to uh, go.factor75.com slash stove60. This is going to be in the show notes, by the way. So here we go. Go to gof.factor75.com slash stove60 and use code STOVE60 to get 60% off your first box. One more time for the folks at home. Again, going to be in the show notes, but here we go. Code STOVE60 at go.factor75.com slash stove60 to get 60% off your first box. Do we, uh, you get that one, NRD? I think you got to use code STOVE60 yep. at go.factor75.com slash stove60. Boom. Bada bang, bada boom. That's my guy. So if I got it, you all at home can get it too. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, NRD, we mentioned we were going to talk about Arizona earlier on this podcast. Shall we do it now? Yeah, we shall. The Coyotes are basically, they cleared a hurdle in this new Tempe billion dollar complex that they want to uh, install on top of a landfill, I guess is kind of how I see it, which is sort of ironic given the struggles of that team in the in the Phoenix market. And, you know, I'll, again, we talk about this and we re-rag on the Austin Coyotes, but it's some of the best fans in the game. Because the people that are fans of that team out there are diehard fans. Fans of and that they team. Are, and they just get shit for years and years and years. They don't have the fun, like, playoff run. They don't have the superstars. They don't have the salary. And now they're playing at Arizona State. And it's just kind of this coming to a head where I, I don't know what I want out of this situation. So, again, recapping, there's going to be basically a vote with the city council that went through as, as unanimous saying we want to move forward, which eventually is going to go to a public vote, a public referendum on should we clear this or should we not clear this development for this area? Am I, am yeah. I mostly right on that? No, you're 100% right. I mean, I know what I want. I want the Austin Coyotes. No, I, I think mean, Selfishly, I want. Selfishly, yes. That's that's kind of a pipe dream. But no, I, I think the only thing, and you know, may I put on my NPR cold stove NPR radio bow tie right now. I think the problem with the public referendum and you just might have to be a little worried about is with the way things are looking right now and the economy and all this talk about inflation and whatnot and public spending, you know, is an arena something that the city of Tempe is going to want, right? The public of the city of Tempe, of course, you know, it could do great things for the economy and could bring jobs to the area that aren't there. I just think the question is, is to the average voter, right? Because this is going to public referendum. To to the average Joe and Jill in, in Tempe, Arizona, they go to the poll, they vote on this. Are they voting with their wallet currently? Are they voting with, you know, what could come of the economy in, in Arizona and whatnot from this? So I think that's the, that is the last hurdle, but that's the biggest hurdle. And that's been the biggest hurdle all along since they announced mm-hmm. that this was going to go to public referendum was that, you know, you might, for, for every 10 Coyotes fans, you might get, 12 people that just say, we don't need an arena right now. We need this. We need that. We need infrastructure somewhere else. So I think that's the only fear with these things. And that's remain. I still think that's you could flip a coin at this point to determine whether that's going to go through. And and it's kind of a, I hate to say it's a win-win. This this feels very middleman Brett at this point. And I've dragged on the coyotes enough that I, I do think that the best future if you are if you're gun to my head and you're telling me they're staying mm-hmm. this is the best solution now i don't think they like getting through three years of what they're doing currently and it, there was a lot of buzz about how this thing's gonna be electric and it's it's really not it, mm-hmm. you know this this there's a lot of marketing put into while well, the intimacy is gonna be great and this and that and guys are getting dressed in in lobbies and with makeshift their home dressing their home dressers right and it's just it it really bums me out to see the state of hockey be that mm-hmm. and so I, th- I was thinking the other day like what do i what, how do you remedy that would you move them to kc for a year or move them to go back to city for a year while this new complex is is created does that burn all goodwill 
with the current Coyotes fan base, even though they have a nice new shiny ring to come home to? Do you try to move them like to the to the <laughs> that we talked about the Diamondbacks facility? Like you build a hockey rink out there in the outfield from October to to March. You know, it's not any better. I mean, no, it's not. It's yeah. not. And, it's and just, the legal I, I probably don't know what the, to do here. And, and you, you know, if they go to Arizona where the Diamondbacks play the legal, put together a fan fest, have Kid Rock perform, and call it the Desert <laughs> Classic. So you don't really want that either because the legal try to sell you a turd sandwich on that. Also, um, you can't, it's so logistically hard to move them, even if it's temporarily, even if the promise I, is that they're coming back to oh, Arizona. So and I'm not easier. saying it's a bad idea. It's just it's logistically a nightmare. Yeah. You know, the MLB tried that. Remember the whole thing about, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays were potentially yeah. going to do half the season in Montreal, half the season in Tampa. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard because, you know, you think of the players and the whole jock tax thing, right? Because you pay taxes on every location you pay that state's taxes no matter where you play your away games so it's so tough um you know i think to your point not i don't think your middleman brett i think a win-win situation is it's going to the public the people of tempe arizona are gonna decide there's enough fan base and pent-up demand for this team they're going to have a nice new arena if the city really don't care then why should we and I they'll think be on their a, merry way. It's sort of a good way to finally put this thing to bed either way, right? Like if they if they get a new arena, brand new entertainment district with the hotels and this and that, they're they're there for the long haul, right? The only thing that's bothered me, and I'll need to cut you off really quick, is just Go like Gary Batman spoke at this council meeting the other night. He was present for it. Talked mm-hmm. about promising an all-star game, promising a draft to Arizona to this a new arena to me that's like is that the selling point right are you trying to grow arizona as a hockey destination for the league or are you just trying to grow the fan base that that's there already to be interested in this club so i don't think to me like and maybe i'm wrong and somebody can tweet us and tell us that like nrd you're way off base here uh, who gives a shit about a draft who gives a shit about an all-star game in arizona the point I, is get get fans to show up for arizona coyotes games in arizona because yeah they put the Arizona, they put the All Star Game in Arizona. I'll be there. I'll go bring my clubs. I'll play a round of eighteen on TPC. You know, it's the Stadium Course West there out in Arizona, and I'll enjoy the locale and the food and whatnot. But then I'm out three days later. I mm-hmm. want to grow fans there that'll go every night to Coyotes games. To me, a draft of All Star Game that's meaningless. That doesn't do it. So for Gary to promise that, it was kind of weird to me that that was like the big pitch. Like, oh, you'll get a draft. Like. You know, only the diehards of hockey fans from Montreal and Toronto go to the NHL draft anyway. Like, you're not selling the game in Arizona by hosting mm-hmm. an NHL draft there. I totally agree. I totally, it kind of, there's something, uh, it feels a little skeevy. It, you know, it kind of feels like Qatar getting the World Cup skeevy. There's sort of these back table, yeah. boardroom promises for these events that are just very much money pits from sponsors and what, like, it just kind of feels like, oh, we're going to give you a, We'll give you a draft, sort of legal corruption in a way. So you're which bribing is, the listen, fans. Which is Arizona. I mean, I'm sorry, Florida. Look, Florida's hosting yeah, the All Star yeah, Game true. this year. I I could go pull. You know, everybody out there knows I love my receipts. I can go pull a tweet that I think I sent out in 2019, right before the COVID pandemic. This mm-hmm. All Star Game was promised in large part when our, when Florida was going through their you know financial woes. Hey, keep the team in Florida. Don't entertain any outside bids from outside this area. We'll give you an All Star Game. So now the All Star mm-hmm. Games this year it there this year in like two months so i don't know man i just it was kind of like a stupid thing for me to hear gary batman tell the people of arizona you're gonna get an all-star game because i don't think they give a shit about an all-star game no, they barely I, give a shit about the team and that's not to take away from the diehards that root for this club because they're passionate i agree with that i just think you're not getting any more casuals to vote for this project on the guise of an nhl all-star game yeah the, it's the casual fans that the coyotes don't have the four yeah. or five games a year fans that bring their kids because there's just that that doesn't exist there in the similar demand that like toronto's not fair because that's such a blue like that like a pittsburgh penguins right casual fans galore diehards galore people can come in from the from cleveland or come in from you know they kind of have something about them that they can they can get those people that want to see four or five hockey games a year and yeah, in, in and Arizona, think, it's either it feels very either like I'm going to 41 home games or I'm going to zero. 
There's no well, you're in not, between fans. And if you casually like hockey, you're not a fan of the team. You take a trip up, you stay at Red Rocks, and you go watch the Golden Knights play in Vegas. So that's, I think, is the issue sure. there, too. I think yeah. that's just a much better ticket. That's kind of, I think at the time, the NHL didn't think that Vegas would cannibalize hockey in the desert, but it, their success, it has. So Yeah, and if, if they are going to stay in Phoenix, look to Las Vegas as the model. I mean, you you want that. You yeah. want it to be seen at these games. You want it to be – there's plenty of celebrity in Scottsdale. Every weekend out of the year, there's somebody from The Bachelor, Bachelorette, sports stars, Kirk Herbstreet, you know, like that that kind of stuff that Vegas does such a good job of, mm-hmm. turning this into sort of a celebs be seen fest. And they have, obviously, entertainment around T-Mobile. And so if you look there, but I want to just make two quick points on this. We mentioned kind of like the reason it's a – win-win scenario is one the like we mentioned they they established themselves they're not going anywhere they get the state-of-the-art facility state-of-the-art rink in a much better location and that builds on it from there so that's and that's great the other side of the win-win scenario is they leave the public rejects them rejects the facility rejects that multi-use development and they can go to a team that wants a team or go to an area that wants a team and now, and and the the bad side of that is that it's the experiment in the desert is over, right? Finally, mercifully put to bed. It's not going to happen in Arizona. It's not going to happen in Phoenix. We can move on, and it's not for a lack of effort. It's not for a lack of resources. And it's there's even good years. And Shane Doan, you know, there's there's we learned a lot, and there's a legacy there. But lastly, I think either way. Does Alex Marullo, the the Coyotes owner and their their ownership group, does this not feel like a, a sale either way? And what I mean by that, NRD, is if you can't stay in Arizona, that's an obvious sell. Okay, we'll sell to the group in uh, Quebec City. We'll sell to the group in Kansas City. We'll sell to the group in Austin, et cetera, right? But why not get everything fully on board with this new rank, which sounds like a lot of public money. So there's there's definitely some kind of coming out of ownership's pockets. But if you basically lock in that Coyote's future long-term with a brand new rank, all that stuff is taken care of. The city's already, the approvals are done. You're basically, you basically have built a house, right? And now mm-hmm. instead of selling the lot, you sell the completed house to somebody who wants to take over a franchise that has stability, a, a great market population-wise, maybe not desire-wise or marketing-wise, but population-wise, and you sell kind of the built house. You know I'm, I'm coming from? No, I do. I, I do. I mean, I, you know, not to get all nerdy or business talk here, like Alex Marullo has always taken me more of like, a corporate raider of the company of the Arizona Coyotes than an actual guy that wants to come in and own this club and is interested in the sport. I think he came in at the right time, got the team for a great deal. I think he's trying the best he can, you know, whether I don't know him, I don't know what he's really doing, but the merits of it, I'm sure he's trying the best he thinks he is um, to, to rehabilitate that organization and get them a rank in Arizona and then flip that team away to some, some owner that wants to come in and own that franchise. Like you mentioned, I don't, I don't think you're that far off base with that with that perception of that this kind of being a sale no matter what. I guess we'll see. We will see in Arizona the will of the public. It sounds like the people will be able to decide the future of the Coyotes as much as we banter about what should happen there. It's going to ultimately be in the citizens of Tempe. We shall see. NRD, before we get out of here, uh, prayers up. Chris Letang suffered yep. a second stroke. Uh, all early accounts, I guess, is that he is okay. Um, you know, it's not a, a hospitalization situation. I think hockey, the hockey used... so far on the back burner right now. We're worried about him and his family and his life first. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything on Chris Letang? I think the word, I think he did go, the words used a twirl. I think he went out for a twirl on the ice today. Um, he mm-hmm. was already cleared to nothing hockey related, yep. nothing that just, you know, feeling the cold air against your skin, getting out there, doing a lap or two around the ice. So that's, Amazing news, considering you know from what we what the thoughts were when it initially happened to today. Now he's he's able to at least get out on the ice in some capacity. And yeah, I mean this. I think this is his second scare yeah. now with a stroke, mm-hmm. which is 
scary in its own right. And, you know, hopefully he gets whatever treatment he needs that it doesn't have to happen again. Cause you know, scary. It's scary to hear about it twice. I think, you know, no doubt, no doubt. So praying for uh, Chris Latang. thoughts are with him. NRD, that's going to do it for us today on cold stove pod. Anything before we get out of here? Nothing for me. Uh, not leaving Twitter. You know, he ain't leaving. I know there's a lot of flyers fans interested out there to see what happens when Danny B takes over from Chuck Fletcher. I am, uh, I'm just as interested in my own myself. We'll leave it there at that. There you go. There we go. Looking forward to that. NRD, he's uh, at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. We are Cold Stove Pod at Cold Stove Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on Twitter and Instagram if you want to say hi. By the way, really cool to see some Cold Stove tags in the uh, the Spotify wrapped yeah, kind of awesome. playlists last year. Very cool. Very much appreciate all of you guys out there. Love chopping it up with you. And, and cool to see... People listening and loving Cold Stove. So thank you. A heartfelt thank you on behalf of NRD uh, and myself. Very, very cool to see that. So uh, looking forward to some hockey. Got Sabres abs tonight. Kind of a measuring stick game after a nice shootout win in Detroit last night. So we'll see uh, see what happens there. Maybe I'll throw some some money on DraftKings down on that one. Why not? Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Uh, NRD, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys next week. See you.